Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty, and I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. I am so excited for this week's guest. My guest this week is Jennifer Wigmore. Jennifer is an actor and visual artist. She also helped found ACE. ACE stands for the Association of Acting Coaches and Educators. It is a Canadian association that provides education for acting coaches and educators on a ton of incredible issues like LGBTQ2 plus issues in the classroom, power dynamics, abusive relationships, gender issues, intimacy issues in the acting classroom. This is a topic that has come up quite a bit in my other interviews. Not just the topic of how do we as second act actors find a good acting coach, because that is super important. I think we are a little bit more vulnerable than a lot of our acting peers coming into this later on in life. How do we find someone that we click with, we connect with, et cetera, et cetera. But also, how do we find someone, but also realize if that behavior and that acting instruction they're giving us is abusive? Also, you may have recalled some of the interviews that I've had in the past with first act actors and their experience going through theater school. And a lot of these people experienced incredibly abusive behavior from their acting teachers. So ACE came about to address this very, very important issue. And on their website is a huge long list of all the acting coaches and educators in Canada who have gone through this very, very important education. And I'm going to say, if you're looking for an acting coach, go on that website and pick one from there. If they're not on that website, honestly, don't even bother. There, I said it. Jennifer also invited me to speak at the ACE conference. So the conference is happening May 20th and 21st at the Tarragon Theatre in Toronto. I'm so excited. I'm co-hosting a panel with my good virtual friend, Chelsea. Chelsea is the host of the Q2Q podcast, another very popular acting podcast here in Canada. We are talking about how to start your own podcast, how to be a good podcast guest. Also, you know, harboring your creativity through creative outlets like podcasting but also the power dynamics between interviewer and interviewee. So I think it's going to be a really exciting workshop. It will be live streamed. I'll provide all the information below and on my social media. If you're interested in the conference, again, the website down below on the show notes, the panels that they have, the schedule looks amazing. Louis Baumander is going to be there, famed acting instructor who I love and adore from LB Acting Studio. Man Casting is going to be there. One of the biggest casting directors in Toronto, Lisa Parrison, will be there. Another massive casting director here in Ontario. Definitely check it out. There are some incredible speakers. It's going to be an amazing time. And I will be there. So if you're there and you see me, come say hi. Please enjoy the incredibly wonderful Jennifer Wigmore. First off, why don't you tell me your story? How did you get into the acting business? You do visual art, you teach, you coach, you do so much cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of uh, I'm sort of one of those lucky people that my my parents were both very big fans of art, uh, all, all kinds of art, and my father was like a an amateur director and and maker of a theater and uh so i i spent a lot of time in the theater when i was a kid he also i grew up in edmonton alberta and uh he was the manager of the jubilee auditorium which is 
I mean, it's kind of like if you think of, um, uh, I don't know, like a big concert hall here in Toronto. It's kind, it was kind of like that. Uh, and it was massive. And so, you know, I saw lots of bands and musicians and plays and touring productions of such and such. And so I was very lucky. Edmonton was a very cultural place and they had a lot of money from from oil. And so they... So they made sure that the young people of Edmonton got to go to theater and the symphony and the ballet and and at a time when it was, you know, they had the money to send and support the arts, which they did. Um, and so I spent a lot of time going to art when I was a kid. And that and so I think it was only natural that I wanted to become an artist of some point, you know, Um and I did, I started teaching, you know, pretty early on. I really enjoyed it. And I really, um, I really found uh, a, a second level of, of, you know, the secret about teaching is that it always um, gives you more than you actually put into it. It's actually one of the biggest secrets, <laughs> especially acting. You get so inspired and so uh, encouraged to do it yourself when you, when you watch students just so being so brave and, and, and really um, putting them, their hearts into things, you know, um, that's the big secret of teaching. But, uh, but, um, uh, but it was like, a, it was an interesting time, um, you know, when I would, when I was, um, in my late thirties, the work started to dry up a little bit, um, not a little bit, a lot. Uh, and there just wasn't an awful lot of work for women in the, their late thirties, you know, 15 years ago. And, uh, and so I decided to quit and I quit acting period, cold Turkey, basically cut all my hair off and let it go gray. And, and, and just left, left the business because it was just not, just was more frustrating and heartbreaking than it was fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though I was still teaching and still loving teaching, that the the ability to get jobs was just not wasn't wasn't happening for me. So I left and I went to painting school and I became a painter. Um, yeah, I know it's not. I'm full Joni Mitchell there. Um, I. <laughs> I I decided to become a painter, and um, and I did did that. I went right in, so I finished my BFA at at OCAD, and I um, then I went on to do my masters at OCAD, and uh, and it was just one of those things that it was so uh, it was so fulfilling. It was so amazing to be able to you know actors wait to tell for other people to tell them when to go to do your art. And, uh, and for being a visual artist, I could do it whenever I wanted. I could make, I could use all those skills of making things and making opportunities for myself as a visual artist, as, as a, as an actor, I could, I could translate that into a visual art and, and make myself shows and build collectives and uh, take art to shows. And, and so I did all that for almost 10 years. I was, that's all I did. And then um, somebody asked me to read a play and I read a play and then they asked me to be in the play and I was like, oh, okay. And then I did this play. It was called Sheets by Salvatore Antonio and uh, it was uh, blew my brain uh, and uh, and I was right back in it. And then it took me another year to 
decide to come back to film and television. I didn't know how that would go. I didn't, you know, I'm 50, 52 or whatever I was when I came back. I had gray hair. It was short. Um, and I thought, well, we'll see. And, it, and it's gone pretty well. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I have to say, I, I think I was saying to somebody yesterday, I think I have more parts and more opportunities now than I ever did when I was in, when I was younger. Mm. And, and I don't know what that means. I don't know why that is, but, uh, but it's been pretty great coming back. I have to say that's, yeah, that's sort of the life in a nutshell, <laughs> but that doesn't even touch all the activism stuff. That's a whole nother layer. Yeah. And I, de- I definitely want to yeah. touch on that. I just wa- yeah, I'd love to know a bit about this change from, you know, the, the feeling of everything's drying up to kind of, but keeping that creativity yeah. going, because that's, that's really hard. I was it's funny. I was having a conversation with somebody about this yesterday about how, you know, as the seasons change, especially in Canada, as we get into winter, like auditions are drying up just for yeah. everyone. Like, how do you maintain motivation to stay creative yearly, but also, you know, in that part of your in that time of your life? Like, how did you maintain that creativity? I, I think it's really hard for actors, I, and I think it, mm. it if. You know, one of the things I preach to my students, to myself, uh, is that you have to find another creative outlet because mm-hmm. actors have to wait for people to tell them it's to go. It's okay to do your work, you know, um, because it's really hard to act for yourself. <laughs> you know, that's not mm-hmm. it's not something you can do in your in your own room by yourself. And so, I I really encourage students and other actors to find another creative outlet, whether that be writing or painting or dance or singing or playing a musical instrument, whatever, find something else that you're, that you're passionate about. So in those times when you are, you know, the auditions dry up or you're not getting a lot of work or you're experiencing a lot of rejection, that you have something that you can go to that that fulfills that need to create, um, because I find that if you don't have something, you turn that creativity. It comes back on you. It turns back to you as an outlet. It kind of comes back in, and and you start to um, question yourself. You start to have lots of negative thoughts. You doubt who you are and what you have to offer, and that all, all ultimately affects your output. So that when you do get an audition, it's it's there's a lot more on the line, you know. And, and how do you do your best work when you are under that kind of um, everything is so important kind of pressure? You know, it's hard to relax and be yourself when you're feeling the pressure that you must book this job or you need the money or how can you be a real artist if you don't work? Nobody hires you. Are you actually an actor? Well, yes, of course. And I like what you said about, you know, having something that you can, it's almost like having control over something, right? Like you don't have to wait for somebody to do something to get to hand it to you. And you're right. And I was just thinking about it as you're chatting, like acting is such a unique thing 
art form and the fact that unless somebody gives you the opportunity to do it, nobody knows that you're doing it. That's right. There's no like, here is my acting art that I'm showing you like a visual piece of art or a dance or something like that. That's, it's very interesting. It's very kind of woo woo y a bit. Yeah. You need other people to do it. (laughs) Whereas painting or writing or playing an instrument, you don't need anybody. You can do that on your own. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I really try and encourage all artists, especially actors to find another. And here's the secret that, that, it's actually, they're all related, right? Being somebody who paints and writes and sings and plays an instrument and acts, um, they're all the same thing. <laughs> they, they're just mm-hmm. different expressions of your, your skill. It's just a different tool. Mm-hmm. But they all come from the same place. Like the, the creative gene, the creativeness that you have just just channel it into a different outlet and don't try not to judge it. That's really the secret. <laughs> that's the secret and that's the toughest thing. I think especially for people like myself who had other jobs like I'm a medical right. doctor trying to oh, do oh, thank you. Trying to trying to do some acting but doing it doing it as I'm now realizing because I felt there was no creativity for a long time and it was missing in my life. And now as I'm kind of chatting with people and realizing that there can be creativity in medicine, I just refuse to believe it. But the perfectionism that I think comes from a lot of people's first careers, because they were told Like, oh, I wanted to do creative things growing up. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a singer. And they'd been told by some very well-meaning people, parents, society in general, that's not a real job. (laughs) You know, go get something that you'll make money at. And usually that's something that has to do with, you know, science, the trades, very logical brained, step by step. You check the boxes, you get the degree, you get the job. And so it's hard to break out of that perfectionistic mindset that we've been in. To now be like, yes, I'm going to paint something. But I'm like, no, I can't paint out of the lines. It's going to look terrible, right? But it, yeah, and I'm kind of rambling. But do you do you have any advice for anyone who's just craving that? I would say to, well, as I say to my students, that you you would never talk to your friend the way you talk to yourself. Hmm, yeah. Right? You would never expect uh, a friend who just picked up the guitar to be able to actually play it. And you would support them through all the painful fingers and swollen fingers and the sounds, the horrible sounds they're making. (laughs) You would support them through that because you know that encouragement and support and love is the thing that's going to make you persevere, keep practicing, keep trying to play that guitar. And eventually you can make chords, eventually you can make sounds, and eventually you can sing along. And before you know it, you've, you're, you're learning and you're getting better. I would encourage people to talk to themselves the same way they would talk to a friend. That if you are trying to learn the guitar, be kind to yourself and recognize that it doesn't all happen overnight. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, you can't play the guitar the neck, the first day you pick it up. 
And you have to recognize that that is the same for all art forms, whether it's writing or painting or acting. It's, it's something that you have to give yourself time to develop skills at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, you know, is acting is a lifelong <laughs> learning thing. You're constantly you never stop learning. I'm, uh, I've recently gone back to class and, uh, it is, uh, it's just fantastic. I just love it. And I, I, I really am very, feel quite fulfilled. It's a, it's, you know, I've been telling actors for years, stay in class. Like don't even just because you graduated and you think, you know, everything (laughs) go back to class and you will quickly realize, you know, nothing, but it's not, it's not, it's not just that it's that you need that sense of community. You know, acting is lonely. It's so lonely. And you really, you, you feel better about yourself and who you are as an artist if you have a community around you that supports you and helps you see that you have something to offer. Mm. Um, and so I, I, it's, it's really important to have a community. It makes you better at your job. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I would say, uh, be nice to yourself and get a community. (laughs) Those are the the, those are the two things that that really um, will help you get through all those tough times and the rejection that that will get you through for sure. I think there's an interesting misconception about acting training. And I hope it's not just me who thought this initially, that there are people in this world who are just naturally good at acting. And we kind of think that that should, that that's everyone because there's no, like, you don't, yeah, you see bad acting out there, but like, it's not like you can visually see it. Like you could see someone who's learning how to play the piano, learning how to play the guitar where it's like, yeah, they sound bad. I can tell that they are learning and getting better. Where at least when I was starting out, I was, I, I, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Like, it's not like there were like levels for me to progress through like swimming lessons for acting, right? It's not like, oh, now I know how to do the front crawl. So I move up to the back crawl and now I can move up to here until I get to the end and I've checked all the boxes. Like I think there's, so I, I think that's where acting is really hard and it can be tough to stay in training. Like, cause what you were saying because it's hard to see progress because there's nobody sh- telling you you've made progress. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and it's all in yeah. your head, right? Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> literally um, all it, in your head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another real challenge with the art form is, is that there's nothing external to see. I mean, I think with film and television, you do have a product that you can look at. With theater, mm-hmm. it's even harder because mm-hmm. you there's no... There's no feedback loop of, of, oh, I can look at that product and then and analyze it. You can't analyze something that is ephemeral. Um, mm. But in film and television, you can. You can if, you're, if you get to the point where you're capable of looking at yourself without looking at yourself, <laughs> which is a whole other challenge. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you... you because we can't really see ourselves because what we see is not what's really there. And mm. so it's, it becomes a real challenge to be able to see the work if you can't see past yourself. Mm. Um, that, that, is a, that takes time. 
and looking at yourself a lot. Um, and also, uh, uh, I did a really cool workshop uh, this weekend, and uh, somebody said, uh, we are intolerant of our flaws. Huh. I thought, oh, well, that is, that's, that is really... Yeah. And so we see our, our flaws right in front. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, it's, I think it's one of those things that, it, you know, talent, talent is not something you have any control over. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't buy anymore. You can't trade talent. You can't get any more talent from anywhere. So ultimately, there's nothing you can do about it. So it's best not to think about it. <laughs> because it, that's great advice. <laughs> it's also something that other people see. You don't see your own talent. So oh, yeah. you have no concept of your talent. I mean, people may say, oh, you're so talented. But what does that actually really mean? You, it, it's, just, it's just a concept that um, other people use to label you about something. And so, frankly, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. Uh, so it's best not to dwell on it. I've never heard that. And that's so, so, uh, that's like the biggest relief. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's such a huge weight off the shoulders, right? And it's one of those things where we all kind of understand that. I mean, we as like the acting community kind of understand that, but we don't want to accept that because you're like, no, I'm, I'm talented. I like to hear people <laughs> telling me I'm talented because we like the applause. We like that sensation. Yeah. But it, you're so right. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> doesn't mean anything. It's, it, it means nothing. So you can't really, you can take it and go, thank you. That's yep. great. I can't do anything with that. So I can't frame it and put it on my wall. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> nope. There's not and and I can't like give it to anyone or I can't get any more. So I can't Great. barter it away. Yeah, that's That's awesome. so interesting. And I think it's funny yeah. because, again, that is that is the lack of control that I know we all want to have more control. Mm. And we think that spending the money on doing, doing the X, Y, Z things that social media tells you you need to do and all these people have the secret sauce and this is how you're going to book. And da, 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 da. But, yeah, you're so right. You can't – it's – it's a uh, – it's not a thing. It's not a material object. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Do yeah. you know, do you notice, so you've done, you've taught at a lot of incredible institutions within Canada. Yeah. Do you notice any difference between actors who've gone through the theater school program, like the traditional two to four year theater school program and actors like myself or um, who have never done that, but are now kind of doing more just like the acting classes that you can get, you know, within the city and stuff. And I'm not looking for like one's better than the other, but just, you know, differences in kind of acting styles and personalities and stuff that you've seen. Yeah. I, I, I think, um, you know, actors who choose to go through more traditional programs um, tend to, tend to come out, uh, having a, a just a lot more tools mm. um, because they've spent a lot of time working on different different kinds of things and different kinds of tools. 
Um, and uh, quite a few acting schools now are doing a much better job of giving uh, even more tools than they did before. So there's a, uh, you know, the theater school that I teach at, um, they, they're they tending to offer more acting for the camera classes. And there's a... Uh, um, um, a screen capture class and there's a voice over class, you know, and because, uh, you cannot make a living in theater, um, anymore. Uh, and so it, there needs to be, uh, thought given to the fact if you really want to be a successful artist, you have to diversify. You need to be able to do your craft in multiple different media in order to create a career and a and a living um out of this crazy business Mm. um uh but i would so i would say it's about that 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 if you go through a theater program that has that you can work on stage then you can also get acting for the camera classes then you can also get voiceover training um, and and the, you just tend to have um, a shorthand. I, I was mm-hmm. funny. I was in this workshop this weekend where there was a, a real mix of of people who had been through tradi- traditional theater school programs and people who'd never ever taken anything before. And it was there was a language barrier in a way mm-hmm. because th- when you go through a, a program that's dedicated to that, you learn a whole bunch of the basics of how to talk about how to deconstruct how to analyze acting as a craft and if you don't go through those programs sometimes you don't have that language now you Mm. of course you can learn it and the more classes you take you're going to catch up but that's not a problem so i wouldn't say that it's an impediment it's just a just a different set of tools and of course Mm. the theater schools they're intensive they are incredibly intense places um, where you like are in in it <laughs> for years um, uh, thinking breathing making uh, and that kind of um, focus uh, tends to really give you a lot of skills in a short period of time mm. whereas if you are taking classes on the side you know you're not doing it full time um, you're, it's going to take you longer to to get the same skills in such a sh- in in the same for a theater school who would do it in a shorter period of time. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny, I, I see the parallels between, and I, I've touched on this a couple times in the podcast, talking to people who went through theater school and seeing the parallels between theater school and medical school. Um, you know, yeah. not just the like the language, right? Like learning the new language of theater, the language of medicine, but, you know, the intensive being in there, building a community, building, like, you're basically building, like, a, a city of humans who are like now yeah. this insular group of people um, who've been through stuff and yeah. you are like, and there's an immediate sense of, Oh, you went to medical school. So did I, Oh, we have commonality, yeah. right? You yeah. know, yeah. yeah. Which part of the hospital did you cry in? Right. Where I think theater school is very yeah. similar, right? There's a, a bonding sense of community from, from that. For good and for bad, which kind of leads oh. me into my yeah. uh, uh, my questions for you and about your advocacy work, and because um, I've definitely I've heard some 
horror stories as we all have and yes. medical school is the same is is very uh, it's part of it as well too but i've also heard some just absolute pure joy that came from people who went to theater school so yeah i'd love to touch on your advocacy work that you've done to build safer acting coaches and acting classes for people tell me more about yeah that. uh i mean it's it's the passion right for me yeah. um uh I think, you know, after Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement really took hold, there was there was an awful lot of opportunity for conversations to come out that we'd, we'd never had before. Mm -hmm. um, and I started working with a grassroots group called Got Your Back, which was a small group here in Toronto that kind of quickly spread across Canada. But... The idea was that we needed to talk about the stuff that was coming up and the experiences that we were having in our theaters and um, in our rehearsal spaces. And so we created this group so that we could come together. We had these amazing things called living rooms where we would just all meet and we would just talk to each other about the stuff that we'd never told anyone before, about the experiences that we'd had. And it, it quickly led to activism in terms of uh, changing policies and, and making sure that harassment policies and, and, and codes of conduct and NDAs and all through our unions and guilds were strong and, uh, and were robust and were improved so that we learned uh, to, and made the changes that were necessary in order to make sure that the next generation of especially young women, but young men too, uh, going through our rehearsal halls were never experiencing the same kind of uh, harassment um, and um, discrimination that we experienced and that the, the silence must be broken. But we were also hearing in those living rooms the stories at theater school and how, you know, what was happening in our theaters and in our rehearsal spaces was also happening in the theater schools. And of course, they're just a microcosm of the community and the professional community. Um, and so we, we heard a lot of this anecdotal information and thought we, we actually need more factual information because... It, it's one thing to hear the stories, but it's another thing to go, is this a small problem or is it a big problem? <laughs> like, um, And so we created a survey. Um, it was the Acting Educator Survey across Canada, uh, and it had over 500 responses, which is, a, if you know anything about research and data gathering, that's a pretty significant um, uh, example of, the sur of, of people. And uh, what was really significant is that of the 500 people that filled out the survey of taking any acting training in Canada, um, anywhere in Canada, 50% um, of them graduated within the last 10 years. Mm. So it was a very current survey. It wasn't something about a time in the 70s or whatever. It was, uh, this, is, this is kind of what, the, what acting training looks like now. Um, that survey is available on the Got Your Back website, um, and uh, the authors and I, um, Neil Silcox and Sarah Robbins and I, did a, um, a summary article in HowlAround Magazine about it. But basically what it said was, yeah, 
all those stories that we were hearing were true, and it's way worse than that. Uh, and there was an awful lot of um, uh, learning that needed to be done, and a lot of, of um, things that needed to be repaired and examined to prevent that kind of uh, abuse from happening in theatre schools going forward. Um, but it also, all that work was not just because I've been hearing stories. It's also because I'm an acting teacher who barely had any training at being an acting teacher when I first started, and I made a whole bunch of mistakes. Mm. And I knew that I had not always done the best job. I knew that I had not always been the most supportive or the most um, helpful teacher. I knew that. And so, and it hurt, it hurts me. It still hurts me that, that I made those mistakes because I didn't have any training. I just knew how to be an actor, but I didn't know how to be a teacher. I didn't know how to teach acting. And those are two very different things. Now that I've been teaching for as long as I have, I know that I didn't know what I was doing in those first few years of teaching. So I knew if that was my reality, that that absolutely was the reality of others. Mm. And that it was because of my experience being a visual artist that I saw that there was, that it didn't have to be that way. Mm. That visual artists... Uh, there's so many opportunities for visual artists to practice the craft of teaching visual art. They have conferences, they have magazines about teaching, they have opportunities to go and be with other visual art teachers. It, it, it's amazing. There's so many MFA programs where you can <clears throat> learn and, and be a TA. You know, they, we, we just don't have that in acting. Hmm. And so <clears throat> we needed this opportunity to figure out how do we fix that? How do we, how do we, we, we can't just continue the way we're going because it's going to produce the same result. That's the definition of insanity. <laughs> so <clears throat> if we really want to fix it, we have to decide that it's not just enough to know how to act to be a good teacher. You actually have to consider the the teaching itself as a craft. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the recommendations that that the three of us came up with out of the survey was that there needed the industry itself needed to make space for an acting educators and coaches association mm-hmm. because through an association best practices, standards, and community would be built um, in order to help over have oversight and have a sense of place where people can go and get sector-specific training about acting teaching. You know, I teach in multiple places. I teach painting and drawing, and I teach acting. And in all of those places, I have mandatory classes that I need to take. And they are about which chemicals mix together so that I don't cause an explosion and how to move a ladder appropriately. 
None of them have anything to do with the acting classroom. Even the the new ones, which have harassment, which is really important, have harassment protocols and and the policies within the school, are still not specific enough for the acting classroom, which dabbles in emotion and intimacy and areas that have uh, far greater consequences than a classroom for uh, accounting or a classroom mm-hmm. for for um, for even for science, right? Because we're dabbling in human emotion and human experience, and that can be triggers for people. Um, and dealing with triggers and not having any idea how to deal with triggers or being trained to see somebody be triggered and n- know how to deal with that. Uh, we don't, we don't have, that's, that's not stuff that we are taught or even, we even talk about as mm. acting teachers. So it was, it was, became very clear that, that the, the industry needed to come together to talk about acting teachers and figure out a way to provide uh, better training or at least some training um, for teachers. Um, and so we had the act, uh, Got Your Back Acting Educators Conference in May of 2019 at the Tarragon Theatre. The Tarragon Theatre is the best sponsor ever because they basically gave us the entire building for free um, to run this conference because they're so they so believe in the cause of keeping the cost down so that there's no barrier for people to take this training um, and the industry came together and said uh, even after that conference which was a brilliant two-day conference where we had workshops and panel discussions we had over a hundred educators from across Canada come and and everybody at that conference went, Wow, this is this is so important. And everybody who's been, was at that conference went, "This is what we need. We need this." And so it led to the industry, so the unions and the guilds, the casting directors, the talent agents, uh, coming together, saying, "This is really important, um, and um, and we're going to support it um, because." They also needed something to say, hey, how do we recommend, how do we feel safe recommending coaches and educators in our industry? Mm-hmm. If, you've, if, we have no, if we have no idea their skill set, we have no idea anything about them. We don't have, know anything about their training or whether they've taken any courses in inclusion, if they have any understanding of intimacy if they they know anything about gender diversity you know these are these are conversations that are very very important now the culture has shifted and we need to be conscious and and cognizant of these things in our classrooms and but where are we going to get them where are we going to get that stuff um so that's why ace was built um to build this community build a uh, a set a place where acting coaches and educators could learn about themselves and grow their craft as teachers not as actors but as acting teachers and um, it's all it's been amazing so far we have um, uh, there's it's all the ace website is up 
aactingeducators.com. And, uh, and it's growing every day. Um, and more and more uh, acting teachers are applying and becoming members and, um, and finding a community. We've just we're going to announce the next conference in Toronto in 2023 at the Tarragon Theatre again, um, at generous Tarragon Theatre, uh, where we'll bring panels and, uh, and workshops about teaching acting. Um, yeah, it's re- I'm really proud of it. I'm really excited about it because I know how much I get out of it, how much I've learned, you know, every time I go to class, whether I'm an actor or a painter or a teacher, I learn something about myself and I learn something about how to be better at my job and how to help students, uh, especially acting students, which is such a strange thing that we do, um, such a weird job. <laughs> and, uh, and it's really important to help them learn how to do that safely um, and without without fear that was a long rant <laughs> it's just so no it's just so I just got like like chills I, I and I know I'm kind of harping on the uh, bringing this up again I just see the the parallels between what I've experienced in the path to medicine are are, are striking um, I'm yeah. learning more and more about it. One of the big things that we dealt with as kind of the new guard, as younger doctors coming in, were the older ones saying they were either one of two pathways, right? Either they would say, stop your complaining. When I was young, you had to go through this, and that's what made you a good doctor. Right. Or the other side that did exactly what you did and said, I know what I had to do to get to become a doctor and I don't want that for you because I, I don't think it's, I don't think it was safe. I don't think it was good. So I'm changing it. There's the, right. that, those like two opinions, right? Like you got to go through what I went through or no, no, I don't want anyone to go through what I went through. Have you dealt with that? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing that I try and remember though, is that they're, especially with acting teachers, is you don't know what you don't know. Hmm. That there's a lot of people who, I mean, who think they know everything about teaching acting, or certainly they know what they know about teaching acting. But if they haven't opened themselves up to learn new ways of thinking, they don't know. Um, And maybe they don't want to know. Um, Hmm. That's unfortunate. Um, because to me, that's antithetical to art. That's the opposite of art. That if you are a real artist, you always want to learn more. You always want to grow and expand yourself and seek more. Um, because it never ends. You know, art is something that you can never stop learning about. So I find it really hypocritical that you would be an art teacher and not have something to learn. Um, I, I certainly have tons to learn always um, about everything. And if I, I hope that when you, we get one person who's, who's stuck in their ways, maybe, that's what we call them, stuck in, their, stuck in an old way of thinking, that if you can get them to a class and you can blow their top of their heads off 
with this idea of learning something new, that that is um, addictive and and mm. contagious. That learning is contagious, and that you you might actually think, oh, I, I did learn something. Maybe maybe I could learn something else, and and that's why Ace is really committed to keeping the classes like as cheap as possible. That's why we have great industry sponsors who've committed to funding ACE and, and, and making it possible for acting coaches and educators to get this education without too much barrier mm-hmm. because there shouldn't be any excuse or impediment to uh, growing and learning. Uh, and that's what's ACE is free. You don't have to, there's no fee to become a member. Um, because it's really not about that. It's not about making money. It's actually about how do we create a community that's going to provide uh, personal growth and growth as uh, as a group. Um, it's about support. I mean, listen, you know, the, the, the conversations have changed so much in the last, like, Think about the conversations that we've had in act, the acting education world prior to the Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter and intimacy and consent. And then since then, it's just been like, ah, so there's so much, so much is so much to talk about and to learn about that it, it to me, it's inconceivable if you're an acting teacher that you don't think you have anything to learn at this point, mm. because... Uh, there is so much to learn. And, and I know many, many acting coaches and educators are very scared um, mm. of making mistakes right now because mm. it's a bit of a minefield in terms of how many options there are to make mistakes. Right. Um, uh, and so there, there really has never been a better time to have a community support system where we can learn about that stuff together, where we can learn about the mental health challenges that our students are facing um, and how to manage that, the, the ways that intimacy and consent affect the classroom and how we need to sort of start learning to stay in our lane. <laughs> you know, we don't teach stunts if you're not a stunt coordinator. <laughs> Why would you teach a sex scene? I don't know. <laughs> That's not something I have any training in teaching. Let's, we have professionals for that now, yes. you know. But you don't know what you don't know. And so it's about providing the opportunity for people to go to show them that, hey, you don't know this. Maybe you should learn it. Here's mm-hmm. a way for you to learn it. Mm-hmm. Right. And not knowing isn't shameful. And I think yeah. that's where yeah. I love, for, from what I found, medicine is very shame-based learning. And right. when you don't know, it's shame, shame, yeah. shame. But I think that's pervasive across, like, it's not just medical field. It's across culture, society, right? And yeah. so, yeah, it's the fear of not knowing, but then there's, like, a shame that's not knowing. So when you have this safe space and a community yeah. where you realize, oh, we all kind of are not knowing and learning together, like, that's so, that, like you said, that's art. <laughs> that's art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Uh, it, it's so, oh, that's so true. What you just said—that's mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, there. It's funny, you know, because I think acting teachers too, in particular, uh, you know, we come out of a very competitive 
world. I mean, mm-hmm. acting is super competitive and you're constantly competing with the other people that look like you, the other people in your age category, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I think for some reason we've, we've, we've translated or taken that le- level of com- competition into our acting teaching. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why we haven't created community for ourselves because there's this weird level of competition. And I just say, we have to stop that. We have mm. to stop it because it's not helping the students <laughs> and mm. it's not helping us grow as educators yeah. by being in competition. I have so much to learn from my fellow educators about educating and teaching. I, I have so much to learn. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I reach out to them and ask to learn from them. Um, and I think it's just arrogant if you think that you don't have anything to learn, mm-hmm. especially if you're a teacher. I mean, that, that's just hypocrisy right there. You know, how can you how can you be a teacher and not think you have anything to learn? I, yeah. I don't I don't understand that. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because if, if I think about the people in my life who I admire the most, they are the people who recognize what they don't know. Yeah, they are like even they are like and and they are the people who like are the most interesting people at the party because they're so (laughs) curious and know what they don't know and want to know more and learn more, even though I like, you know, they're they're not usually the the highfalutin, you know, what society might think is the the people we should be admiring or the most successful, the most successful. Right. But if I think about who I most admire and who I most want to be, that's who, that's who they are. Right. Like, and as a community, and not only does it like, I think the competition stagnates community, right. It just stops it. Right. It just stops the growth. And it, and the collaboration, as we know, um, from looking at, you know, anthropological studies, like that's what grows, grows a thing. Right. Like we needed to develop a medical college because we needed specific guidelines to say, yes, you can be a doctor now. We have it for teachers. We have it for cops. We need it for acting teachers. It just it legitimizes and it grows something. And And it creates a baseline for best practices, you know, minimum standards, you know, Um, we have to have that, especially when you're talking about children. You know, when we're talking about minors and, you know, we've all heard the horror stories of working with children. And and I think that that is a specific area where we need more oversight on acting teachers and children. That that just we just all, I think, can collectively agree that that should be something we should work on. Um, um, It's. It's funny to me that that we're we're here. I mean, because it happens so fast. Um, but I'm so I'm so proud of the students who raised their voices. I, I'm so proud of them. They're they are changing humans. They are changing the culture of uh, acting training in this country and I hope the world, I hope what's happening here in Canada is also happening in England and the United States. I know we are ahead uh, in Canada in this regard um, uh, that our acting 
spaces and our in, in theaters and uh, is really improving here because of the advocacy of the many many people working to change uh, our theaters and our our film sets, um, but also th- our schools, and and it really it's not because of me, it's because of the students. Uh, and their bravery and their courage to speak out that this is all happening. Mm. Um, and so I will always be very grateful to my students who came to me. I will always be very grateful to the students who um, shared their trauma in order to create change. Mm-hmm. That's That's something... I'm. I will be always grateful for. You gave them a safe space to share. I. I hope I did, and I want to believe I. I did, um, and I want to make sure going forward that there's more safe spaces, and that future students don't have to experience the things that I put some of my students through. Um, I hope I learned as I went along and I, I, I feel like I'm a better, I certainly know I'm a much better teacher than I was at the beginning, but that was because I learned lessons and I didn't pretend that I knew everything. Um, and I accepted the fact that I made mistakes and I was forgiven for them. And that, um, that helped me be humble about the fact that I just don't know it all. And I'm always going to be trying to do my very best with my heart moving forward, but I'm going to make mistakes. Um, And I need, I need there to be enough dialogue and communication so that they feel safe enough to tell me when I've made a mistake. It's hard. It is. It is. Teaching's hard. (laughs) It's so hard. It's it's so hard because inherent in the like doctor patient relationship, teacher student relationship is hierarchy. Like Yes, power. Power. Yeah. Dynamic. There has to be. There has to be a little bit. Because there has to be a respect to the higher up a little bit. Yeah. But that's where that gray area is. Uh, If you don't know how to, if you don't, if you don't even accept that or acknowledge that you, there's a power imbalance, then it can be abused. Absolutely. And, and I think if I, if I'm trying to communicate anything to acting teachers is that recognize your power and, and start to learn that you do have power. And so you have to learn how to how to use it and how to be um, how to be mindful of the fact that you can traumatize people if you don't know how to wield that power properly you know mm-hmm. it, power imbalances is everything for doctor patient for for doctor doctor yeah. <laughs> right for everything. acting teacher student like it's it's the thing you know director actor it's all about power yeah. and how you learn to have an imbalance of power or abuse of power right yeah yeah it's so true yeah it's the thing it's um, yeah. 
but we're not going to know about it unless we talk about it, unless mm-hmm. we start to open up the conversations about how it manifests in the acting classroom, H- how it manifests. How, what are the, what does it look like? If you just ignore that it's not there, I don't, I don't need to know about that. Well, then you're going to make a mistake. You're going to hurt somebody. Yeah. You know? I teach this way. I've always taught this way. I don't have any problems. Well, that's just because you're not seeing them. You have them. You just don't want to hear them. You know? And that's just not, that's just not, it's not the way to grow as a person. You know? We're just people. We're trying to do the best that we can in the world. But if you kind of decide, oh, this is my technique, this is what I teach, and I don't teach it any other way, well, what? (laughs) doesn't make any sense. (laughs) What are you, a robot? Well, and it doesn't doesn't work for this. It goes right back to what we were talking about, how, like, it doesn't work for acting because it's not like you're teaching, like, one plus one equals two. Like that's, it's not science. Like it's not it's like not you, can, you can't read out yeah. of a textbook. Uh, yeah. yeah. It just, it just, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to think that you have nothing to learn. <laughs> you know, I just madness, absolute madness to me. And, and, and I, and I think when, when teachers start to learn, when they go, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. They start to go, oh, what else don't I know? Yeah. And that's when the light bulb goes on. And I've seen it happen in many acting teachers that once they take a couple of classes, even small little three-hour workshops. Listen, uh, ACE website has a bunch of resources for education that are sector-specific for acting teachers that are free on our website. You can just go there and, and watch the brilliant Tanisha Tate talk about inclusion in the classroom for free right now. And your mind will be blown because the, the stuff that she's talking about is stuff that you've probably never heard before. Mm-hmm. And you can't ignore it. You can't ignore that you learn something after listening to it. And when you go, oh, I didn't know that. What else don't I know? If I didn't know that, what else is there that I don't know? And that creates this need to discover what else you need to learn. And then creates the hunger for, I need to know more. I need to learn more. And you become a student of the craft of teaching acting. And I think your students will not think less of you if you go, huh, I didn't know that. Because if I think about anyone who said to me, huh, I didn't know that, I didn't immediately go, whoa, I think way less of you now. Of course not. You can't be a professional. Yeah, oh, I'm not going (laughs) to get classes from you anymore. You don't know anything. I never thought that. Nobody ever thinks that. But we think they think that. No. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Yeah. I I think it's just, uh, I, I mean, I think it's, the height of arrogance for an acting teacher or any teacher to think that they have nothing to learn. Um, and we just, ha- we just can't, acting teachers have to evolve. And if we've learned anything, it's that we need to evolve our thinking about what 
we need to learn as the craft of teaching acting. Mm. Um, and that it's not just something that just because you're a good actor, you know inherently. It, that's, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really, it's mo- because we dabble in the human emotion, human psyche, it's actually even more important that you get some clear understandings of how you can damage somebody if you don't know what you're doing. I always like to end a bit happier questions. Oh, okay. Happy do questions. you do you have a favorite or memorable on set or on stage story? Oh, I have so many. <laughs> That's so unfair. <laughs> I did. I was very uh, fortunate to work in the pandemic on a show called Why the Last Man. I got my first stunt credit on that. Really? Yeah. Oh. What an incredible, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. And uh, this, this is, well, I will agree. I'm that, so excited to um, hear your story. Yeah, I, coming back to acting after, you know, a 10 year hiatus and, um, you know, I was worried. I was worried that nothing will have, would have changed. Mm-hmm. That I would still be on a set with no women on it. I'd still be on a set with no people of color. And that the roles for women would be as shallow and vapid as they were. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was wrong. I was wrong. It was like my first job back was being directed by a woman. I was like, what? (laughs) This is crazy. (laughs) And then, you know, I had some really fun experiences. But then I got to this show called Why the Last Man with the brilliant Eliza Clark, who is this incredible genius showrunner um, who surrounded herself with incredible, uh, incredible women. And this entire experience, I did uh, seven episodes and, or maybe six, I can't remember, um, was just every day was an absolute joy. I've never been treated with such respect, such... um, inclusion and felt so um, like I was making art on film and television. That's not something that that um, Canadian actors feel a lot in film and television. We do a lot of exposition characters in film and television here in Canada. And so to be in a in a show where we were having rehearsal, we were we were talking about the characters as if they were real people experiencing this incredibly fantastical idea. But the level of inclusion just on every conceivable level, from, from hair, makeup, wardrobe, all the way to production, to everybody on set, looking like, every, like the, a, a, a microcosm of the world, except more women, <laughs> um, it was just it was it was one of the most so i can't give you a specific story but that the collection of that experience for months on end reinvigorated my idea that the world is changing 
and that we are learning and growing and that people like Eliza Clark are out there making work that will reflect this new world. And that, that gives me hope. That gives me so much hope. I love that. Yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice? Oh, that's been so nice talking to you. Likewise. Um, uh, I, my, I, ha- I have l- little wisdom. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm constantly seeking wisdom. Um, but if I, I have some advice, and, and it's that if, the, if you're an acting teacher... Uh, find us, come and find us at ACE and be part of this movement for safe and respectful spaces, um, for uh, improving the minimum standards and best practices for acting education in Canada, become part of this movement for change. Um, and and join us as a community to, to learn together, because I have stuff to learn from you and I really want you to share it with me. Um, so that, that's, what I, that's what I want, is I want as many people, acting teachers, to hear this as possible and come and join us um, because it, it'll be better if we're all together. We, we can really make significant change if we start to do it together. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and thank you, Jennifer, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for the very important work that you do. We truly needed something like this in Canada. You saw that need, and you actually went out and did it. I so appreciate everything you're doing. You have made the acting community, the entertainment industry here in Canada, a better, safer, and more creative place for us artists to grow. I so appreciate everything you're doing. I also really appreciate you asking me to speak at the upcoming conference. I am so excited. Everyone, again, check out the ACE website. It's in the show notes below. If you'd like to attend the conference, I would be thrilled to see you. Come say hi. Check out the live stream of my workshop. It's going to be a fantastic time. I hope you will tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye. Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye!